If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Lives branding team. Today on the show, I'm joined by Air Force veteran Kevin Mead from 1700 Brewing, a veteran-owned nano brewery based in Newport News, Virginia, that offers a high turnover of fresh brews with a relaxing atmosphere. Kevin is one of four co-founders, all military veterans, who came together to bootstrap the business instead of taking out a loan. All the owners share a passion for brewing and drinking beer and decided to launch 1700 Brewing while still maintaining their full-time jobs. On the transition, Kevin talks about the origins of the company, the challenges of running the business while dealing with some turmoil in his personal life, and why despite all the hardships that come with running 1700 Brewing, he's still having fun brewing and drinking beer. Before you hear from Kevin and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me on LinkedIn at ironmikestedman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Kevin, welcome to the bunker. I should say welcome back to the bunker because, you know, we've been trying to record this, y'all, and I've just had all kind of technical difficulties today, so I'm taking off my armor. I don't know what the heck is going on with this software, but uh, <laughs> it's neither here nor there, man. I'm super excited to have you on the platform for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think you're our first brewing company to be on here. And as we know, uh, brewing is a big, you know, veterans love it, right? We, you can always find us hanging out at the microbreweries. It's a place for community, um, just a really relaxing atmosphere for a lot of us. And uh, like I told you in a pre-interview, I actually shot a pilot at a brewing company before we launched the podcast with Backers Flag Brewing Company in Fork River, New Jersey. Got an amazing female veteran entrepreneur out there, Tori Fisher. They used to come and cater a lot of the Bunker Lab events in New York City. So uh, I'm just fired up to have you on here today, man, to talk about brewing and uh, all the amazing work you and your team are doing at 1700 Brewing. Me too, brother. I'm super excited to be here. Wanted to just talk to you and pick your brain a little bit about some stuff. But anytime we can talk about brewing is a good day for me because I can do that for hours. But, you know, we get to spread the word about, you know, Hops for Heroes and Soldiers Angels and a couple of things that are near and dear to our hearts. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm looking forward to this. So, Kevin, go ahead and introduce yourself to all our listeners today. Uh, I'm Kevin Mead. I am one of the owners, operators, brewers at 1700 Brewing Company in Newport News, Virginia. Um, we are 100% veteran owned and operated. Uh, four other individuals and myself purchased a operating brewery about uh, six months ago. So we are fairly new. We've been doing this you know, individually for quite a while. Me personally, for about 10 years, I've been brewing. But, um, you know, this was a, a collective weird project for all of us to sort of get into and jump on together. But, um, yeah, it's exciting and it's fun and, and it's, 
it's brewing beer, so God, I love it. What is the difference between a microbrewery and a nanobrewery? Are they the same, or is there? No, so nano is obviously quite a bit smaller, um, and there's just a production threshold for, um, you know, to be called a brewery slash microbrewery, nanobrewery. There's, it depends on how many barrels of beer you produce per year. So anything less than 15,000 barrels a year is a microbrewery. We are way, way smaller than that. So we're um, probably don't even fit the threshold for a nanobrewery, to be honest with you. But really, doesn't it doesn't label any smaller than that? Yeah, not yet, though. Not yet. You know, not yet. You know, we're still validating the business model, That's dialing right. in our branding and perfect customer, That's and right. uh, scaling up from there. And you're doing it the smart and more efficient way because, as you know, you know, veteran small businesses fail for two reasons: number one, no market need, and number two, they run out of cash. And when you think about how, uh, how do you say cash heavy a traditional brewery can be um, for a small business owner, especially if we don't get a bank loan or anything else, just kind of bootstrapping, it can get expensive very quick. And you're just talking about straight overhead, not even covering, you know, your living expenses or, you know, God forbid, you know, paying staff and everything else, all that equipment, all that other stuff. So I'm a fan of the third shift mindset of, you know, got your day job you've got your family and then you're hustling to get your venture off the ground and a lot of times in brewing that starts out with a uh, contract brewing really just kind of building the brand getting in there in the after hours and yeah. uh making something from nothing no you're absolutely right and you know all of us all of the owners have full-time jobs we're we're all working in some capacity one of our owners is still actually active duty he's in the air force at a undisclosed location for a few more months so yeah, this is absolutely third shift for us. We all have families. We all have day jobs. So, you know, part of that you know, model for us getting into this opportunity in particular was because there's enough of us, we didn't have to take a loan out, right? We all invested our personal funds. We, we're not, none of us are taking any money right now. So the benefit of having a, you know, first shift job is that, that pays all the bills and it keeps our families fed and everybody's okay. And we can sink all the money from what we're doing at the brewery back into the brewery, right. To keep building and keep growing and making sure we're doing all the right things to stay afloat and make sure that we don't fail in that first year. Like so many businesses do. So I saw a video on YouTube and I'll probably send it to you after where it was like this MBA class and a professor was up there talking and he basically asked his students, how many of them think that starting a brewery is a good business idea, right? <laughs> and like only like three hands went up out of a class of like 50. And so then they start asking them, well, why do you think it's a bad idea? And they're like, you can't scale it. Da, da, da. You know, all the, it just didn't seem as sexy as like some kind of, you know, SaaS product you can launch, right. you know, and <laughs> it just takes over the world, whatever. But anyways, the professor was like, I actually own a brewery, you know? And it's this idea that, like, you know, with businesses, I've always said on this platform, it's not just about a monetary return for a lot of us. We're also trying to cultivate our passions, have a reason to get up each day, you know, find a new mission. Somebody call it that massive transformational purpose. And when I think about, like, a brewery or a coffee shop or all the a bookstore, right, there's all these different spaces that we really, like, truly appreciate. But you look on the outside – those look like extremely difficult business models, 
sure. you know, to actually sure. generate profit. So now I say all that to say is what's your why? So for us, I, I just like brewing, right? So that's really how it started. So one of the other partners and myself, we've known each other for about 10 years. We've been best friends and we've been brewing together about as long. And from, you know, the early stages from us, you know, in his backyard, brewing five gallon batches, you know, on the, on the wood pile in the backyard, you know, we always, we just kind of looked at each other one day. We're like, man, we want to, we should do this. We should do this for real. Like when we retire from the military, right? That was the sole purpose, the sole reason for us to go into brewing because we love doing it. And we just, we want to make beer. It's fun. It's, you know, it's science, it's art. It's all the things that I love doing. And at the end, I get beer. Hell yeah. Right. So that's perfect. That's why we're doing this. It was always known that it was going to be hard. Brewing beer is labor intensive. This is not an easy gig, right? Lifting bags of grains. It's not an automated process on our scale, right? Small scale brewery. So it is hard physical labor all the time. There's long nights. There's, you know, long weekends. We, we don't we don't get to sleep very much there's all those things that go into it but at the end this is still it's still fun for us it's still our passion because that was just one of those things for all of us you know one of our other owners tuan he brews as well and that's just one of those things you can tell when when people get together and talk about their passion there's a different light in their eyes and there's different words that come out of them and the body language changes a little bit right so you know you're in business with the right people when you have those sorts of, you know, expressions of, of their passions when you're talking and having, you know, staff meetings. Well, I'm excited to learn more about it as we uh, continue our interview today. But in the meantime, we got to take off our armor. So, you know, when a lot of times in, in, as entrepreneurs, right, people see us on social media, man, what you guys are doing is so amazing, but they don't understand the challenges behind the scenes. And so, as a small business owner yourself, what's something you're struggling with either personally or professionally on your entrepreneurial journey? Mike, I'll tell you, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today is because you used those words, armor and vulnerability. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, like lover. Everything that, that I do, I try to center around some of those principles of, you know, remaining vulnerable as a, as a parent, as a friend, so I'm I'm glad we're having this this part of the <laughs> the discussion today. Armor is a hard thing to take off for a lot of folks, especially for us veterans, military folks, because that shows some some weakness, right? And you just you're bred and you're taught and you're trained to not do that. So for us to get to a point where we can pull that off and and show people, you know, our weaknesses and vulnerability and all that stuff. That's huge. I, I think that's one of the most important things in life to be successful and to be, you know, just a, a good person in general. So, I, I mean, obviously for, for me personally, I'm, I, I have, I have tons of things going on in my life that are not great. Um, my wife and I recently separated about two years ago. We're still going through that transition, that whole process of how to sort that out. We have two kids. So, you know, that's a very, very difficult, very time-consuming thing in my life. Um, 
nothing about that is is easy or you know are known to us right it's all new territory so every day is something new and you're trying to figure out how to navigate that that process so obviously that bleeds over into my business life right just because it it takes time and focus to do all those things and you want to make sure you're concentrating in the right areas so you know you just you only have a limited amount of resources and time and energy to give to either one of those things and it's it's unfair to to focus one over the other so you try to give equal time to everything so it's difficult right it's it's difficult to maintain your priorities you know uh, with your families whenever even under the best of circumstances when you're opening a business everybody knows that that first year is the toughest you're not going to get any sleep you're going to you're going to work hard you're 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 probably going to fail if you don't put 100% effort into it and that's that's hard enough if you have a completely stable family life and relationships and all those things so when you add in you know that turmoil on the side and trying to open a business kind of around the same time man it is crazy difficult so that leads to a lot of stressful conversations and and things like that and you know i often feel like i've let down my business partners you know, sometimes if I can't be there for a certain day or I have to call and be like, I can't, I can't make it to the brewery today. I have something come up with one of my kids or something like that. Right. So, so there's always something going on with that. But luckily, again, like I said, we, we are all of the same mindset. We're all the owners. Uh, we're friends. We're, we're all veterans. We understand the struggles of, you know, balancing family life with business life because we all did it in the military for 20 plus years each. So everybody gets that and everybody's very compassionate, you know, and understanding of each other's having our you know personal lives and all those situations that go with opening a business and how difficult that part itself is on its own. So I'm very fortunate to have, you know, business partners and friends, you know, in this venture with me that help me through all those things. Well, I appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and sharing that with our listeners. And so many people are dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, like you said, death, divorce, you know, and we know divorce and death are like some, I think my, my aunt said this divorce and breakups are like the worst thing in life next to like death. So, you know, giving yourself Great. permission to say, this is hard and, you know, to feel that. And so, you know, people listen to this show and they reach out to me and they say, Mike, I was going through it. And then I heard something that one of your guests said or that you said, and it just gives me hope. And so when we start sharing these human experiences, just beyond the entrepreneurship talk, you know, it makes it real for a lot of people. And I'll get vulnerable too. You know, one of the things is as a, a Naval Academy grad, right? When I was in college, the work, the week, there, the work week was serious, you know, Monday through yeah. Friday, we were in class, like 21 credits, you know, you work, you had sports period from like four to six, right? So you really didn't have a lot of like personal time, you know? Um, and so that was how it was brought up, you know, for like first five years was like the work week, head down. Then you had the weekends. That was where you got to hang out, whatever, but the work week. And then you start becoming an entrepreneur, you know, we transition out, et cetera. Life still happens, you know, oh, yeah. other people are still around that. That doesn't work for them. That doesn't work for your spouses and girlfriends, et cetera. You know, they got to be treated like a priority, you know, throughout. You can't just 
put them off to the weekend or just ignore them during the week, you know? Um, yeah. And so it is, it is a challenge, right? Of like, how do I get everything done? But realize like, I'm not a college student anymore. You know, that there's like, you've got to, you've got to make it work. And so that's a constant challenge because I think I'm just one of those guys, right? I can just put my head down and move, 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 but you can't just move alone all the time. You know, you've got to account for other people as well. You're right, Mike. It's real easy to get caught up in that because, you know, when you're first starting out, there's just so much to do. You could, you could work 24 seven, the first six months of your business opening and still be behind, right? You're, you're always going to have something more that you can do or want to do. So you have to be able to, you know, pull back at some point in time. And man, I've got all these other things in life that aren't waiting and shouldn't wait. Right. Yeah. I, I get fired yeah. up by Monday mornings, y'all. I'm, I love my job. You know, that's part of being an entrepreneur. Now, don't get me wrong. Some days it sucks and you feel overwhelmed and you look at oh, your yeah. schedule like, oh my God. But when I'm on, when I like set those conditions to be on, I'm fired up for the week. I'm like, let's go. I'm ready to get after it. But if I have like a weekend away with someone, like my girlfriend or something else, right? It's like I'm not – like the conditions have to be set perfectly for me to have that awesome week. You know what I mean? Like I got to be in bed at a certain time on Sunday. I got to wake up Monday, get that workout in, and I'm ready to go. But if that doesn't happen, you know, it's like it can go either way. It's like yeah. I have a good Monday <laughs> – or I can just feel like I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm just like, oh my gosh. So, but again, we have to account for the people we care about in our lives as well. Your kids, my girlfriend, people's spouses. Yeah, um, sure. It's just part of the journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, one of the things I got to do is I got to acknowledge the organization that brought us here today. And that's Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouses dedicated to helping the military connected community start and grow their own businesses now i know you're down in uh virginia beach so you still got a strong veteran community out there but uh when did you first come across bunker labs so bunker labs um was kind of a connection that was made for us through uh the soldiers angels program we we jumped into the hops for heroes campaign which is an annual campaign uh, by a bunch of breweries, we make um, the same recipe and all of the proceeds from that beer go to the Soldier's Angels program. So that's kind of how we came to Bunker Lab, just to sort of make sure that we can get this program in front of as many people as possible. So everybody knows that, you know, anywhere across the country, if you go into one of the participating breweries, you're going to get this Homefront IPA. It's the same everywhere you go, all the, the breweries that are involved. But all that money is going to go to supporting veterans. It's going to go to Soldiers Angels, and they help hundreds of thousands of veterans and families every year. So that's uh, that was the birth of our conversation, which is awesome to be here and help spread that. So now on the outside looking in, right, you kind of, you know, for – I know for some people, they think, oh, to start a business, you got to go to business school. Or I don't have these networks, et cetera. But now as you're starting to get exposed to like bunker labs, what does it look like, you know, on the outside for you? How, how do you, um, you excited, you fired up? You're like, oh man, there's this whole military connected community out there that I can take advantage of. There is, man. I'm telling you, there are so many resources available to veterans and families. It is, it's amazing, right? 
But a lot of that stuff is, you know, it's almost overwhelming because there's so many at some times, you know, coming from every different angle that, you know, it's hard to figure out which route to take and, and where to go. But I, I think for me, business wise, the best thing that I ever did was take the boots to business class. I have a, you know, a master's degree in, in business and in management. That didn't help me as much as this two-week class that I went to at Langley Air Force Base with a bunch of other vets. Just because it exposed me to all of those veteran resources, right? Small Business Association puts this on at just about every installation around the world. And even off installations, you can be part of this Boots to Business program. So, I mean, I guess for me, that was the most important thing to take that leap into entrepreneurship from being in the military. You know, I would recommend that to literally everybody that I talk to, just because it's so easy to put all those pieces together, right? All those different resources and figure out what is available to a vet to become a business owner. And you also get to meet all those other people that are in those classes with you, right? We always hear that networking is so important and it, it really is. That was where, I met one of my partners in this business for the first time in that class. That was four years ago, four and a half years ago. So, you, you know, all those things that are available have their, their benefits. And in some way, it really just depends on, you know, what your business is, what you're trying to accomplish and all those things. But I, I would say there's more than enough resources out there for vets and their families to get started. There's so many of those programs, and I I look at them as feeders to the uh, veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem because a lot of us don't know it exists. My program was Stanford Ignite. I did a four-week program at Stanford University. That's what exposed me to it, right? It was specifically for post-9-11 veterans. You did the boost to business. I've heard about this EBV program that's been doing great work across the country, and we're all trying to win, you know, and we're trying to help spread this community. So I don't care if it's EBV you know, vets in tech, whatever, man. That's one of the benefits of the veteran space is that we want to see other veterans win because we understand that we spend so much of our lives serving our countries. We want to see that success transition into the civilian world as well. You know, and unfortunately, so many of our our brothers and sisters in arms are struggling on that next phase of life, trying to find that new mission. So the more programs we have out there, the platforms we have like this to get these stories out, it's super important, and that's why you know I'm honored to be able to even host this show. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way you put that too. It's an ecosystem, and it's all sort of intertwined and and related, but it's all beneficial. It's awesome. So you mentioned you got a business degree. Take us back. Talk to us about your transition from the military to becoming a, a entrepreneur. How did you even find yourself in this position, running a brewing company? So it was about ten years ago when I met. Um, one of the other partners, Billy Martin, um, who's still active duty. He's in the in the sandbox somewhere. Um, him and I started, you know, we worked together in the same office. We started brewing together. We both realized we, hey, this guy likes beer. I like beer. We both homebrew. So let's, you know, hang out and homebrew together. Billy was way further down, you know, that path than I was. He was already making amazing stuff. He had more equipment and everything. So I really latched onto him as kind of a mentor in that. And then as we started doing it more and more and every weekend, and, you know, we started getting to the point where all of our friends were asking us, Hey, can you guys make me some beer? 
we're having this party. Can you guys make the beer for this party? And, you know, we started getting to the point where we were like, oh man, we should, we should do this. We should do this for real. So then you start sitting and talking about, you know, strategies and, you know, long-term plans. And we eventually sat together and started drawing up a, a, a business plan. And that was, like I said, you know, probably, that was probably six, seven years ago by now. And then you start doing all those things as life happens, you know, things change and, you know, people get promoted. Uh, Billy and I actually both went to Korea at the same time. We were both active duty Air Force. We both ended up going to Korea for a year around the same time frame. So we kept brewing over there. We kept working on the business plan. You know, it kept shifting, right? That was that was always the, the light in the sky. The North Star was someday we're going to open a brewery together. And, you know, as, you know, Billy's got promoted and I retired and all those things keep moving around and shifting, we have to change the plan a bunch of times. So that was always it for me. And, you know, being educated on that and taking project management classes and all those things, for me, while I was still active duty, it was all with that sort of thing in mind at the end. After this life, where that's what we're going after. So you start building all those things and making sure you're set up to do what you want to do in the end. And education is just, you know, one of the most important things that we can do. Yeah. That was, I guess, the original intent behind it all. And then obviously when, when we bought this brewery about a year ago, well, six months ago, we actually bought it. We started the process about a year ago. It, it's completely different than what we thought it was going to be. Completely different. You know, Billy and I had an idea to do this thing, and it was going to be this huge brewery. We had a business plan, and it was all built. And, you know, we had our uh, financial plan was completely different than what it looks like today. But this opportunity came out, so we had just had to adjust fire, right? You re-vector, and you figure out, how you're going to get to that end goal. But, you know, the, the, the plan changes all the time, constantly. It has to, but that goal is always the same. I'll tell you, I, I've said this before. business is a contact sport, right? So again, all the planning and everything to my, my mind goes out the window once you launch, right? 100%, 100%. It's like, yep. I, and that, I was actually going to ask you that, right? So in the startup space, there's this kind of lean startup methodology, where instead of building a traditional business plan, you do the little business model canvas, and then you grow your plan as you iterate. But old school, and I actually have a guest who's going to come on and talk about building a business plan, was like you get the elaborate financials, you spend all this time, you know, putting this plan together. But the thing that you're missing is that market-based feedback, mm -hmm. right? Because you haven't launched, right? You haven't had to purchase product. You haven't had to negotiate with sellers and distributors and all this other stuff. And so it's like one of it is like planning, but then the other day is like you got to get out there and get that real feedback. And so as you talk about that business plan versus the reality of it, how, could you apply like a lean startup methodology to, to launching? Absolutely. And in the end, that's what we did. So the business plan that we had and we wrote for years and adjusted and, you know, researched and, you know, tried to figure out we're not using that at all right now. <laughs> Not not one page of that hundred page document is in use for for this brewery that we're doing right now. So, you know, for us it was 
it was a little bit easier, I would say, because we purchased an operating brewery. We all got together. We purchased a turnkey operation, basically. So it's already operating. All the equipment's in place. There's already a customer base, right? Um, we made a ton of adjustments right off the bat, though, right? Just from the second that we took ownership, we knew there was a lot of things we wanted to do different just because, you know, we we wanted to center our business around veterans and the veteran community and, you know, brewing beer and doing good was basically our, our whole aim. So when we took an operating brewery that was aimed at the casual drinker on the side and, you know, they were only open a few hours a week, it was, it was a completely different mindset than what we were jumping into this with. So yeah, from, from day one, we started making adjustments and, you know, figuring out what we thought we wanted to do. And then the market tells you a whole lot of different things, right? Customers come in the door the first time and like, well, I like that. I like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. So then you, you constantly adjust fire. So, so there, there's absolutely no business plan that will survive first contact. I don't believe that. I should, that's going to be a good episode. No business plans arise first contact. And then just kind of go on a ramp of rant about it. All right. So let me ask you this. You buy this existing brewery. What made them want to sell in the first place? It was owned by uh, three families. One of the families uh, moved out of Virginia. They went back north. So it was, it was left to operate by two separate families. And they were the same as us. They had day jobs. They had families. They just didn't didn't desire to do it any longer because it it takes up a lot of time. Like I said, I mean you're you're working all the time, constantly. And for breweries, it's your your customers want to come in on the weekends. So me as a regular guy working my forty hour week, and then I got to go spend you know all weekend. Uh, late nights at the brewery, when do I have time for my family and all those things? So for just the two families owning and operating, it was, it was just a bit too much and they just decided that they didn't want to do it anymore. So they came to us um, really uh, one of the other owners, Tuan Bowie, he owns the homebrew supply store, which is right next door to this existing brewery. Obviously they talked, they were friends, you know, they needed supplies. They just became, you know, close. So they approached him as, you know, the first opportunity to, you know, he got, he got first dibs to purchase it if he wanted to. And that's when he started, you know, reaching out to the, the rest of us for, you know, interest. Do we want to get in on this with them? Can we afford to do it? Do we have the time, the resources, you know? And like I said, that Tuan was, you know, we met in the Boots to Business program. And we both realized that we were looking at starting a brewery in the area. So that connection was made there and it all kind of came full circle when this opportunity was just presented to him. And here we are. So you didn't have to go uh, get a bank loan or anything. You guys just pulled your money together and just bought it outright. We did. Yeah. It's all, all self-funded. And what was the, what made you want to do that instead of going through a bank? We, I think it was, we all had that same mindset of, we don't know how far this is going to go. So 
we were willing to risk our personal funds into this venture because we thought it was so um, there was so much potential in it, right? Just because of the location and where it was and how they were operating, they were successful based on, you know, being open two days a week. We knew making a few adjustments that we were going to do something different with it and we would be successful. Um, so we were all comfortable with taking that personal, you know, investment risk in this to make sure it was okay. And instead of, you know, paying some bank, just decided to do it ourselves. Love it, man. Got to get that skin in the game. You have yeah. to. That helps. Make it real. It does right? make it, it helps. It, right? it absolutely does, man. I I know I've got you know a large chunk of money in into the success or failure of this business, so I'm going to work a little bit harder to make sure that it succeeds. Right now, I know you said you want to pick my brain on some stuff, and so we should use that while we're on here because I think a lot of our listeners can get some benefit from it too. But I want to make a comment. I have been reading a lot about branding, right? That's my niche: um, branding, positioning, and podcasting, et cetera. And one of the things I learned about uh, CPG companies, beverage companies, et cetera, because there's so many, right? If you look at uh, like that space, branding is so crucial because it can be your differentiator. So it's like, what makes somebody go to 1700 Brewing Company versus going to the other brewing company, you know, up the street? And a lot of times it ties to branding. I'm not just talking about the logo and the identity, but it's like who you're for, what you're about the story you tell, right? But then I'm also thinking because you said the home brewing store is right next door, right? Also, can you differentiate through business model? And so I'm curious to know, like, uh, you know, how are you thinking about that, about how you guys can stand out um, from all the other options people have? And then also, let's be honest, there's a lot of veteran brewing companies out there as well. Sure, there is. Um, And for us, there's, there's another one that is very close to here. We're actually, we're in Newport news, right? Which is right across the water from Virginia beach, Norfolk, huge, huge military population in this area, right? There's army installations, air force installations and Navy installations all within a, you know, 30 mile radius. So there's a huge community of us and there's a very successful, very good brewery right on the other side of the water called young veterans brewing company. Obviously, they're they're the OGs in this area of being veteran-owned and for vets and doing all those things, and their brand is very much centered around military lingo and you know that everything about it, right? So we're not we're not original in that idea. We know that, but that was never the intent, right? That was always we want to do this because we love what they're doing. There's no reason that we can't all do the same thing. There's no reason we can't have more support for veterans and we can't all have a piece of this because brewing is one of those industries that is not cannibalistic. You can have a brewery right next door to another brewery and both be successful. In fact, there's a lot of times where it helps to be in close proximity to another brewing establishment. We are about a half a mile from a very large brewery in the city center of Newport news. And they're, they're friends of ours, right? They help us with use borrowing their equipment sometimes and cleaning kegs and all those things, right? Because it's a community. The brewing industry really is 
a, a large community. We all want to help each other succeed. So sharing of those things and, you know, having sort of that same business model as, as young vets down there, I, I think it's a good thing for, for our community, for the veterans, for this Hampton Roads area where we're at, just because there are so many vets in this area. It's, it's overwhelming population. So we're still working on some of those things because you never want to, you never want to bite somebody else's beer name or, or something like that. Right. And there are so many, it is difficult to name a beer because there are 5,000 microbreweries in the United States and growing. Each of those is making conservatively, you know, 50 different beers a year. So you're talking about trying to name something that, you know, when you, when you're using, especially in, in our community, we're trying to use something that's military friendly and something that you can relate to, you know, that word, everybody's heard the term Ranger candy, right? I'm going to use that to name my German pills because that's funny to me as a vet, right? You guys all get that stuff, but somebody else has probably done that already. So we have to be careful. You're not stepping on anybody else's toes. You're not, you know, you know, Copyright infringement is is a tough game. You see cease and desist orders all the time to breweries from the big ones. Stone Brewing just won a giant lawsuit against uh, Coors. Because of those things, right, they're, they're trying to step on the little guys. So we all, as the little guys, really need to stick together on that stuff. And, you know, coming up with our own niche in there is is always going to be a work in progress for us. But again, for us, I think it's, it's that, that North star is we, we just want to make it veteran centered. So we're going to have to adjust fire and we'll have to change some logos and some names and make sure that, you know, we're, we're not stepping on anybody else as we get there. But in the end, it's all still, you know, that same light that we're chasing. One thing to consider too, so I went down to, uh, you're right about the brewing tours. I like that. I like where I can go to get multiple breweries. You try this one here, whatever. And me and my girlfriend went to New Orleans for my sister's wedding, right? This was back, right? Like right in the middle of the pandemic. I think it was like 2021 or whatever, mm-hmm. early 2020, March, 2021. And we end up trying a bunch of different brewers, brewing companies down there, right? Little micro breweries. And the one thing I noticed about all of them is that they all had a neighborhood feel to them. So, yeah. like, where your brewery was located, right? I was asking them, I was like, how were you guys able to stay open during the pandemic? How were y'all able to stay in a fight? Because they're neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, sometimes I think for all of us as, like, business owners, we always like to think of these grand aspirational goals of, like, we want to be here, whatever, versus saying, like, what's the one audience I can own hook, hook line, and center, yep. you know? And think about what would it take for me? Yeah, I want to kind of, you know, be the veteran center brewery in the area. What if I just start by owning that neighborhood? And Seth Godin calls it like the minimum viable audience, you know, and getting out there and really just planting that brand flag into the ground, knocking on doors and making it clear that for everyone that lives in this neighborhood, all the businesses, et cetera. Yeah, there's all these other brewing companies out there, but we drink our brewery here. Like that's yeah. what we do in this community, in this neighborhood. No, you're spot on. We, we actually, we inherited some 
um, of that base customer when we just by taking the keys to this place because that's that's their neighborhood brewery. They were going to come there no matter what, right? Yep. So for us to keep building on that is because us as the owners and the brewers, we're in there every day. I'm behind the the bar pouring beers and talking to people because I want them to know that this is my business. I care about it. And I'm doing this because I love doing it. So let's talk about beer and you can ask me questions about how I brew things or what's next. And I could talk to them. What do you like? So then when they come in there, it's not just, it's not some sterile place where they're going to purchase beer. They're, they're coming to their neighborhood brewery where it's a friendly vibe. They know the people in there when they come in, you know, they, they see the same faces and it's the people that own the business and they're invested in this. And, you know, all the other owners are the same way. We're always behind the bar, walking around, talking to people because it is, it's a community for us, right? This is, we're, we're doing this for the people that live here in this area. What is something that you wanted to pick my brain about? Um, so I was, uh, my real question is, you know, when you use those words like vulnerability and taking off your armor, is that something that you try to talk about with all of your guests and you try to make sure that that's something that everybody's doing? And is that, is that a part of your business model, right? To bring you success as an entrepreneur. I will tell you. All right. And I think a lot of us are going to learn from this right here. Because business is so foreign to a lot of us, like we might work in businesses, you know, we're in the military, we have our little side jobs or whatever. um, And we assume we know what business is until you end up starting one of your own. Okay. (laughs) Right. And then you find out like, man, like I don't know anything. And you start figuring out one mistake. A lot of early stage business owners, small business owners do is they try to mimic successful people, successful brands. I use Coca-Cola as an example. So if I want to record a video, I might try to do it like Coca-Cola, make it all high-end, professional, get the lighting, spend a bunch of money to do it. But the thing is, you're not Coca-Cola. You might be a one or two person shop that's getting off the ground. And so what you should be doing, you should be pulling out your camera and saying, hey, what's going on, everyone? You know, this is Mike Stedman. I'm here at my office. We got a great service for you all that we're putting together, et cetera, et cetera, right? We don't do that. It's not necessarily about is vulnerability a business model, business strategy. It's more so being honest, you know? So when you get a client, right, uh, you could pretend like you know everything, that your service is 100% dialed in, buttoned up, et cetera, or I can come to you, Kevin, and say, Hey, what's going on, Kevin? You know, my name's Mike. I got this little digital marketing agency here. And, uh, man, we would really love to work with you guys. Now, I'm going to be honest. We haven't worked with a brewing company before, but we're really excited about what you guys are doing, you know, and we're willing to figure it out, you know. And how much more comfortability, how much more comfortable are you with someone like that? You know, hey, I got a small team. You know, we're still building our processes and everything. We're getting better. We're going to figure it out with you. Versus someone that comes to you and says, hey, Kevin, I'm going to do this, this, and this for you. You're going to get X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden, you know, something's wrong in an email. Or you notice that, you know, we made a mistake here or there. Instead of looking at like, hey, this is a new company. They're growing. They're figuring it out. 
or you hold me to the standard of a Coca-Cola because that's what I promise you. And so if you ask me about the vulnerability, it's just going back to old school business and talking to people and communicating with people and, you know, not looking at people like their revenue, but that they're human beings and having that conversation. And back in the day in a community, you probably had the grocery store, you had the brewery, you had all these different, all the business owners knew each other and you could actually go and really like have a conversation. And Hey man, I missed my, uh, I don't have my money to pay you right now. Hey man, don't worry about it. You're good because you've paid me every month consistently for like the last five years. I know you're good for it, but being honest, being human, that's what I'm a proponent of because those are the type of people I want to work with. And so for me, I think it just comes naturally because if I jumped on here, like I don't want people to see me as this business guru or business expert because I'm not, but I have learned a lot from guests like you from my own experience where I just try to be honest and share what I learned. That's perfect, man. Like uh, I, I could not agree more that honesty piece. Honesty is the vulnerability piece. Right. And you're hundred percent right. That car salesman mentality and attitude. Most people see right through that. And, you know, you lose credibility if you're not honest with people up front. And if that's showing that you, you don't have everything together, hundred percent, you're at an 80% solution, then show me that. Right. And I will trust you more and I will work with you over that person that, that tells me they're hundred percent when I know damn well, they're not right. I'm going to say, and I'm speaking directly to our listeners. The majority of our listeners are early stage, small businesses, maybe some venture back startups, et cetera. And hear me on this. People are investing in your potential. You got to give them the chance to invest in your potential. And a lot of times they're going to come from people in your own personal network, your own relationships. Don't try to pretend to be something that you're not, right? Be vulnerable. Let them know where you're at and where you want to go. And give them the opportunity to invest in you. Because guess what? When the early days, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Like, right? I mean, oh, you're yeah. going to make mistakes all the time early on. But the idea is to get better at it. But if you promise someone a home run the first time out the gate and you're unable to deliver on that, then you're going to put yourself in a bad position from a brand and credibility standing. And I don't want you to do that. So that's why I'm a big proponent of just being honest. Let people know where you are, where you're at in your business, and give them the chance to support you. Yeah, perfect, Mike. Couldn't have said it any better. It's perfect. Outside of that, what's the biggest challenge you guys are facing over uh, at 1700? Um, honestly, right now, it's the best problem that we could possibly ask for, but it's still a problem. Uh, it's keeping up. It's keeping up with the the demand. <laughs> So we're a, a very small system. Like I said, we brew two barrels at a time. So we're only open Friday through Monday, which is, you know, perfect for us because, you know, we all have real jobs. Um, and we're still finding ourselves like running out of beer real quick on some of those things, which is great. That means people like what we're doing and, you know, we're creating that atmosphere that we want so people can come in and we, we don't distribute anywhere. You can't buy our beer on a shelf at the grocery store or the gas station down the street. You can only get it in our tap room. So, so for us to be, you know, 
running through our product, you know, as quick as we are, that's awesome, right? That, I mean, it's a, it's a great, great feeling that, you know, people are enjoying what you're doing and they're coming back for more and they, and they, they appreciate, you know, the, the brand that we're building here, but it just means that we're working harder. I'm, you know, when we're done here, I'm on my way to the brewery. We're going to, we're going to serve some beer and I'm probably going to have another late night brewing another batch and same thing tomorrow and the next day. Right. So that, that for us is, it's a blessing, but it's also, you know, it's just more work. Can you potentially contract brew at another location and go to them and say, Hey, we're a small, we're not even a nano brewery yet, but we're, we're running out of beer, you know? And so we're having this real, real, real problem keeping up with demand and, you know, we love if we could do some contract brewing with you guys, et cetera, yep. you know? No, absolutely. We have, uh, like I said, there's there's such a great community around here. Our friends over at Tradition Brewing Company and Coastal Fermentary, they're, they're always, you know, willing to help in any way possible. So we can do some contract brewing with them. Um, I think right now what we're doing is we're waiting till summertime when uh, Billy comes back from his um, – his deployment. We'll have some more help back in, you know, the brewing side of things. We've just purchased some larger equipment. Um, we have two new fermenters that we haven't even, we haven't even christened yet because they, they just were delivered last week. So we're working slowly at those things to build more capacity. And so we can keep up with the demand of what we're doing, but yeah, absolutely. Contract brewing is, is something we've talked about and we'll probably end up exploring in the near future. Love it. I didn't ask you this, by the way. Where'd you come up with the name 1700? What's the meaning behind that? It's just five o'clock. Ah, yeah, <laughs> I, saw it. I saw it. And I was thinking that like, oh, was there some historical event in 1700? Yeah. I didn't think about the time. No, you. it's funny because a lot of people, and that was the first thing. It really isn't even my idea. This was uh, Twan's um, brewing project, right? Before when he was building his business plan before we even met. He was looking at 1700 brewing and you know, he made the logo and all that stuff. We were operating under something different. Our business plan had completely different. So Tuan and you know, the five of us got together and we're like, all right, what are we going to call this thing? And we, we shared ideas for, oh gosh, weeks. We, we had many a session where we sat down and we, you know, had some beers and and we talked about this, like, what are we going to do with this thing? What are we going to call it? And again, it's so hard because there are so many breweries out there. And then eventually we're just like, well, why are we, why are we messing around? Like, let's just keep this simple. We've already got a name, 1700. It's easy. Everybody in the military can relate to it. Once you tell them, we get a ton of people come in and say, what happened in the year 1700? Well, I'm sure a lot of stuff happened, but nothing significant to us. It's just five o'clock. That just means the duty day is over and it's time to drink. It's not deep. <laughs> I love it. That's interesting. I never thought about that, but that's that's unique, yeah. man. I'm excited to see where that goes. And so that actually brings us to our next question. You know, what's your BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal? When you win the battle, you're standing on top of the mountain. You know, what does that look like for y'all? What are y'all working towards? So I think we all have the the same like visual goal in mind, which is a a brewery that's much larger but still here in this community somewhere we can have all of our families and friends come and enjoy their time as a community as a neighborhood 
because it doesn't really exist right now on where we are, right? In the community that we live in. What we want is something that is, you know, family oriented where I can, I have a yard and I can play Frisbee with my, with my friends outside and inside there's a brewery that's doing things. So that's visually the goal, right? For the business itself, growing that. But really we've already, our, our big audacious goal was to make good beer and, and, and give back. We're doing that, right? We're, we're, we're doing that constantly from day one, we started doing that. So that's just going to scale up. The, the bigger we can grow and, and if it comes to that, if we're blessed enough to have a, you know, 100 barrel system someday in this neighborhood, that's great. That just means we can give back more. So I know I do it, right? So, you know, I early stage small business, same thing on the nonprofit, right? That give back component was always there from the very beginning. I mean, I run a free boxing program for kids in the inner city. You guys are in the early stages of building your brewery. You know, you're going through the the hustle of staffing and everything else that comes with it. And yet you're still allocating money to give back. Why is that so important to you? That was just one of our founding principles. We always knew that that was something that we were going to do. And I don't think we would have jumped into it together if, you know, if one of us wasn't on board with that. So we started, you know, like from, from the jump as our launch, our our grand opening, we had a party, right? Um, we launched a whole bunch of our beers and we did a collaboration with the band Silence and Light, which is a, a group of special operations vets who um, perform in a, in a rock band that gives all of their money to Warrior's Heart and foundations that give back to veterans and first responders. They just happen to be the singer, Fred Cowell, just happens to be a good friend of mine. We worked together. We served in the Air Force together. So it just made sense. I call Fred say, hey, we're doing this thing. Let's get together. Let's do a collab. And we give all that money to Warriors Heart Foundation. So from day one, from the minute we opened the doors, we were setting money aside, you know, to give to these organizations that we knew we were always going to support. We had another event with um, a local animal shelter. Obviously we're doing this hops for heroes campaign now. So there's always going to be something. When we talk about, we have our, our monthly meetings, right? We call them war councils because none of us want to call it a staff meeting. But when we sit down at our war council, we need to, that's one of the things that we talk about every month is what's our, what's the next thing that we're going to do to give back some of this money that we're making or something that we're doing has to go to do some good in the world towards a veteran association or something, whatever it is. We're always going to do that. That's always going to be part of our business model. So that's, that's just ingrained in all of us. Love it. So as we start to close out here, we've got veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. I've got two questions for you. Number one, what words of advice or encouragement would you like to leave them with as they continue to pursue their own entrepreneurial journey? And my second question is how as a community can we support and elevate the work you're doing at 1700 Bruin? I think words of advice would be you're, 
you will always have to change your plan. You have to adjust fire on, on almost a daily basis for something, but just don't, you don't have to change the goal. The goal can always remain the same while you change the plan to get there and know that you have to, right? There's, there's like, we talked about it before, right? There's no plan that you can put in place. That's going to see everything and, and account for every variable that's going to come your way. Life is going to happen. So you're, you're going to have to adjust that plan, but that's a normal thing. Don't feel like you failed or, 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 or give up hope because you have to keep changing the plan. That's part of the process. Um, I, to help elevate what we're doing here, I mean, just being here with you, Mike, I think is is part of that, right? Some somebody's going to hear this at some point in time, and and hopefully realize that what we're doing here is not because we're trying to. It's this is not a corporation mindset. We're not just making money by selling beer. We're doing something with that that is supportive to our communities and support supportive to veterans and their families and all that. So every person or every opportunity that we have to point to one of these hops for heroes campaigns, or, you know, the collaboration with silence and light to give to warriors heart, any one of those things, if, you know, a few people hear about that, that that's, that's a win for us. Well, we- I, I appreciate every minute of that. We're here to support, man. You're in the Bunker Labs family now. Yeah. Um, it's great to have you. feel like we dropped a lot of lessons learned, and I really appreciate you for being vulnerable, you know, just kind of, you know, opening up and talking about the personal side of things for our listeners. And so for everyone that's tuning in, let's make sure we support uh, Kevin and his team at 1700 Brewing. What are your social handles? Where can people find you guys at? Uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram, 1700 Brewing. And our website is 1700brewing.beer, which is probably the best domain name ever. Are you on LinkedIn? Uh, I am personally, yes. Got it. Yeah. I was going to say, get up, get on LinkedIn too, so we can show some love <laughs> there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hit us up anytime. And, um, you know, for anybody who's listening, if there's any questions about brewing or the veteran side of things, whatever, I'm 100% open to answering or helping in any way possible. So, yeah, hit me up. Also, if you have not subscribed to our newsletter for the transition, be sure to do so at the link in the show notes. I do my best to sign a newsletter at least once a week sharing the latest episode of the transition. So uh, if you want me to cover a topic on the show or in the newsletter, uh, message me directly as Iron Mike Stedman or shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. Be sure to also check out bunkerlabs.org to get signed up for the national newsletter. And uh, get plugged into all the different programs we have. We got programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Until next week, everyone, peace, love, and enjoy the rest of your weekend.